there's a very real prospect that uh, on the day Donald Trump leaves office, the Justice Department uh, may indict him. He may be the first president uh, in quite some time to face the real prospect of jail time. <laughs> That's Adam Schiff, uh, who really likes uh, saying over-the-top things, but he is going to be the chair of the Investigate Trump All the Time committee. Uh, I saw somebody use the term subpoena cannon. They're going to have a subpoena cannon starting January 20th. Welcome to the Armstrong and Getty Show, and particularly Michael Cardoza, who joins us, ex-district attorney. Uh, since opening his private practice, Mr. Cardoza has worked on many high-profile pro- cases, such as the Scott Peterson trial, Barry Bonds steroid scandal, and others. Um, and we like talking to him because he's a smart guy. Uh, Michael, welcome to the Armstrong and Getty Show. How you doing? Good morning. Good. How are you? You have any thoughts? I don't know how closely you're following all this. Um, you have any initial thoughts before I start asking questions? Well, the first thought I have is I I, I look to Mueller, and I know a number of U.S. attorneys here in the Bay Area that work for him, and every one of them tells me he was a great guy to work for, he was honest, he was straightforward, um, he did it the right way, and then as I watch this investigation, he's not talking, he's talking through his indictments, he's talking through his motions. I like that a lot, as, cool. to, as opposed to people like Comey that get out there and affect what's going on in the political world. I like Mueller. Whether you like the investigation or not, you got to like him. Yeah, that, that's interesting you'd say that, because I've heard Chris Christie say the same thing. He disagrees with uh, you know the, the beginning of this and the direction it's going in, in some things, but he, he thinks that the fact that Mueller isn't leaking is really good for just the country. Uh, that's the way it should be done, unlike the way everybody else does it. So I've heard a no- uh, I watched so many lawyers over the weekend, and uh, it's interesting <laughs> to me that 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 lawyers with you know some pretty hefty resumes can have such starkly different opinions of uh, of things. That's that's why you got to get a good lawyer, I guess, huh? There's no question. I mean, it is important. You get what you pay for, certainly. And that's what the law is about. That's why you have two, sometimes three, four sides in litigation. You have attorneys with different opinions. Sometimes I wonder, though, and the first question I ask is, okay, who's paying you? Yeah, yeah, I get that. So there's the question of can they prove that the $130,000 for Stormy Daniels, for instance, or was that for the Miss America woman? We, we, either way, it doesn't make any difference. It doesn't uh, make any Yeah, you're right. <laughs> if the $130,000 was uh, a campaign contribution because it was mostly, mostly about keeping the voters in the dark, or if it was a personal payoff because he wanted to keep his uh, his wife not knowing it, how's anybody ever going to prove that? This crime needs intent, and specifically, specific intent. You have two types of crime, general intent. Like if I walk up and punch you, uh, I don't have to think in my head I'm going to walk up and punch you. I do it. That's general intent. The fact I do it's enough. This type of crime, I have to think about it. I have to know what I'm doing. I have to intend what I'm doing. So you're spot on when you say, how are you going to improve this? And I get to this payoff, and I go, okay, uh, it may violate the political contribution laws. It may well do that. But we had Gary Hart. Remember Gary Hart from Monkey Business? Didn't he pay someone off? And what did they do? Not a whole lot to him, although 
he didn't become president. He didn't. So in this case, that's not the big issue to me. The Russian issue is the big issue to me. This political contribution stuff is, okay, let's assume he did it, which I happen to believe he did, and he did it knowingly. Um, are we really going to impeach him for that, or should this be something where he's fined or the Congress takes care of it, not put it into the criminal realm and say, well, you're going to go to jail for that because you paid $130,000 to affect this election. I doubt if it would have affected the election because most Trump voters didn't seem to care what he did. Wasn't he the one that, well, I know he was the one that said, heck, I could walk outside in the street in New York, shoot somebody, and the people that are on my side, my people would not care. So why would they care about this? So how about an obstruction of justice if if he did direct Cohen to lie at various times about whether ah. or not they made the payment? So obstructing justice to cover up something that's a minor crime is still obstruction of justice. Now, that's different. You know, if you instruct somebody to obstruct justice, now you're getting in the big leagues, and that's what the feds look for. Remember Martha Stewart? She did not go to prison because of insider trading. They found her innocent of that, remember. They put her in jail because she lied to the FBI. That was her sin. That was her crime. Interesting. So that's that's why people have to be careful when they talk to the feds. When I talk to my clients, you're not talking to them without me because you've got to know what's going on there. And you lie to them, that's the crime. And they go, hey, we don't care about the underlying crime. Now we have you lying to us, and now you're going to go to jail. And that's what might happen in this case. I seriously doubt it, but it might happen. Uh, Adam Schiff, um, a congressman from California, uh, talking about the idea that they might indict Trump, but it wouldn't matter until he became a private citizen and he could be, uh, you know, facing jail time the moment he left the office. Does that make any sense to you? Yeah, it does, because you can't indict a sitting president. And remember, uh, just so a lot of people know, when you impeach a president, that doesn't mean that he's convicted of committing a crime. Remember, Clinton, President Clinton, uh, was impeached. But they didn't follow up in the Senate and have the trial. So an impeachment is nothing more than the government uh, filing a complaint, an indictment, in this case, against Trump, saying you are charged with this. Doesn't mean you're guilty of it. The next step is taking it to the Senate and having the trial there. They then have to make the decision, was he guilty or not guilty of this? And if he's guilty and they decide that, then he gets tossed out of office. And if it went along party lines, there's no way he's going to be found guilty. So then the Democrats have to weigh the, the political decision of whether or not it'd be worth going through that whole dog and pony show to, to, to stand up for what well, is good and right. Now, here's what strikes me. And at first blush, I look at this and I go, okay, why would they do this? In my opinion, they might do it because they're going to expose him to the public. They're going to tell the public, look, all you Trump supporters, here's what he did. Is this the kind of man you want for your next president, the next president in 2020? So they may not win in the Senate, but they certainly will expose all the crimes he committed. And I've got to think, I laughed to myself when I say, you know, a defense might be, I didn't know. 
I didn't have the specific intent because I didn't understand the law. Mm. I'm sorry. I really didn't think I would win this election. Right, it wasn't right. until a short while before that I was told, hey, you're going to win this. I think he was the most shocked guy in the country when he learns he was going to win. That's why I think he was doing all the Russian stuff going, what the hell? Sure. I may as well make all this money. I'm not winning this. Let me build my skyscraper there. When I lose, I'll be way ahead monetarily because that's that's why, in my opinion, that's why he ran, to benefit himself financially. We're talking to ex-district attorney Michael Cordoza, and you know we're into the politics stuff now, now, not the law stuff, but so many of the decisions that became a problem for so many people. The reason Comey did what he did, he didn't think Trump was going to win. The reason Obama did what he think, the reason Trump did it, everybody did everything along the lines of, well, I, Trump's not going to win, so what's the you know best thing going yeah, forward? What's the harm? Yeah, what's the harm? Yeah. And, uh, yeah. yeah. Remember, there was a movie long ago. I forget whether it was Robert Redford or who it was. I'm not sure if it was the candidate, uh, if that was the name of the movie. But I remember the movie where the person ran for the presidency, and he wasn't expected to win. And at the end, in the last scene, he's sitting there going, now what do I do? (laughs) And I can't help but think that's Trump. Now what do I do? Now I want it. I don't know how to do this. I don't have the focus of a gnat. So how am I going to read everything? How am I going to understand all this? And that's what I truly believe happened. I didn't think this guy thought he was going to win. He was in for it to benefit himself, to benefit his family. And uh, all of a sudden he wins and he's way in over his head. And I think he's the most mendacious president we've ever had since President Polk. I don't know if you remember Polk, but he and his wife were just lying to the country, but at least Polk did a lot of things. He, it, it was because of him we got the Western United States, so he moved our country forward, but he didn't know the truth from fiction either. I'll have to read up on my Polk. Truth. <laughs> I'm trying to read up. It's amazing what he did. Um, I have one more question back to the law away from politics. Um, a president saying something not true to reporters, that's okay, isn't it? I mean, it happens all the time. Sure. Because I often uh, see in that. In most situation, yeah, it's, it's okay. Let them go ferret out the truth. Does it help you? No. I mean, but from day to day, uh, even in the Stormy Daniels payment, in the McDaniels, uh, uh, Stormy Daniels payment, remember on the plane he said, oh, no, I didn't know anything about it. Right. And then later, yeah, I did. Oh, my Lord. Yes, I did. Yeah, I remember. You forget something like that. Yeah. From day to day, what's the truth? Yeah, well, uh, I've seen it portrayed by many people on cable news, and cable news people say all kinds of stuff. They use examples of Trump saying that something that wasn't true, but it was two reporters or to a crowd, and that doesn't count. I remember uh, Hillary, when she was testifying in a whole bunch of different stuff, said things that, that certainly didn't seem like they were true to us, the public, but she apparently told the truth behind closed doors. Which is, you know, she's a lawyer. She knows what she can do and what she can't do. Well, there's a big difference between what some lawyers call puffing. You know, you get out there, it's like selling a car. Hey, it's a great car. It's got great tires. You know, and you puff the car vis-a-vis lying under oath. So that's why uh, everybody's worried about, uh, you know, what Trump's saying under penalty of perjury. That's where the rubber hits the road, not what he says to the press. 
Well, he's been in an awful lot of those situations over his career. It'll be uh, determined whether or not he handled it the right way. Michael Cardoza, uh, Cardoza, appreciate your time today. Thanks for coming on. You got it. Take care. Um, and as we've been saying throughout the morning, I'm not sure even after Friday the president's in that much trouble in terms of at least having uh, the ability to claim, whether it's true or not, that he was doing this to hide it from his wife more than to influence the election. How are you going to prove the reverse? Um, we got into the topic of whether or not it's a good idea to work really hard to be... Oh, I'm looking up at the Good Morning America. They're covering this story about why being a straight-A student might not be what you should work for as a child or push for as a parent. We've got some interesting info on that and a lot of good texts coming up on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the of nation. The nation. The Armstrong and Getty Show. A new version of bullfighting has started in China in which participants use their hands instead of swords. That's how many extra people they have. (laughs) (laughs) From Saturday Night Live. Beautiful. And Joe Getty joins us once again on the Armstrong and Getty Show, sounding like he's in studio, though he's in the operating room at the hospital about to have his hip removed. Yes, well, replaced. I hope they go ahead and, you know, the removal is only half the job, John. <laughs> One question on this, and then we'll move on. Sure. I, um, I just thought about this. Is is bone heavier or lighter than the ceramic and titanium? In other words, will you be will you weigh less when you get your new hip? <laughs> You may be shaving a couple of pounds off. I don't have the slightest idea. Mm. I will have to ask Wouldn't that Dr. Be Al Anonymous that question. It's a very so very I got to um, question. I've got to respond. We got a bunch of texts. Um, unhappy with what our uh, previous guest said about Donald Trump, right? Michael Cardoza, the attorney about uh, Trump um, um, not being uh, ready to be president. To what extent Trump thought he could win? I have no idea. Um. But I will say this, he was he has been preparing his whole life for this economic stuff that he does. Go back and look at old videos of Trump on Oprah or Letterman or whatever going back to the 80s. He's been talking about this stuff his whole life, his stuff he was really into. And he's um, been asked for decades whether he'd consider running for president. So it's not like, you know, it's an entirely new thought. Right. So I'll move on through that. I don't know if you heard our segment about um, getting straight A's in school. Uh, no, I did not. This is pretty interesting. So this professor, I think he's at, I know he, he did teach at Wharton. I don't know where he currently teaches. Um, He uh, he starts a story with a, a kid comes in, a junior in college comes into his office and bursts into tears. And he wonders, oh, my God, what what could be going on in this, you know, junior in college's life that he burst into tears? And the, and the, and the kid says, I just got my first A minus. <laughs> And that's how he gets. And the in. professor punched him. And he gets into this column with, um, then gets into some studies that show that straight A students don't. Not only do they not do better than 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 everybody else in their careers, they don't do as well as B students in their careers in many many cases. And uh, your grades are zero indicator of how well you're going to do in your career in a career out in the real world. 
Zero. Right. In the first year, there's some correlation, but not much. After a couple years, none, which I find really fascinating. And so he was making the argument against uh, wanting to be a straight-A student or making that your focus. Um, I... I'm careful about the way this word I word this because I don't I don't want to uh, I don't want to come off as anti-effort. That's not the point. But what they found with a lot of straight A students is becoming a straight A student is the goal, and uh, you do a lot of things to reach that goal. You don't take maybe interesting, harder classes that would challenge you in certain ways or expand your horizons because you might not get an A in them. You know, you're you're programming your life for that. You tend not to be as creative. The, the more creative types tend to take classes. They get an A in it if they're into it. They don't, if it's something they're not into, they don't, they get a B or a C. And, uh, so when they get out into the real world, they get into something they're really into and they do just fine. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of us know all this intuitively, don't we? And, and have been grumbling it to each other our entire lives, including when we were in high school. Right. <laughs> if we weren't straight A students. Well, exactly. And, and how they were actually the dumb ones. Well, listen, <laughs> I don't know about that. No, no, I'm just kidding. But, the, the whole the monomania you have to have to be hyper hyper focused on academic achievement. I just don't think that. I mean, in some fields, I suppose maybe if you're like a day trader or something like that, it it does translate pretty well. But man, for the vast majority of us, you're you know you're a you got to be a people person and a math person and a bit of a law person and a bit of a business person and. And, 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 and be fluid about it. And the one thing, you know, I've known and, and my daughter, my, my youngest was a bit of a super achiever and hung around more of them. And, and often they're very sweet and good people, but, um, like flexibility and how do I put this? Um, being light on their feet emotionally and, and cheerfully creative was not the vibe. And, we- and I think, you know, what I've just stumblingly described is a pretty good description of somebody who does really, really well in life. Well, you pretty much uh, just said word for word what they found in studies. I don't know why they bothered to study. They should have asked me. <laughs> um, well, having lived it for years helps. Um, doing a study they did particularly with architects going way back to the 60s. Getting straight A's requires conformity. Having an influential career demands originality. In a study of students who graduated at the top of their class, they found that although they usually had successful careers, uh, they did not reach the upper echelons if they were straight-A students. Valedictorians aren't likely to be future, future visionaries. They typically settle into the system instead of shaking it up. That just tends to be the kind of person you are, or right. what has worked for you your whole life. Yeah, I don't want to be too critical of people who fit into the system and do quite well in it. I mean, you can have a happy life. Sure. You know, not everybody's born to be a visionary. And one part that I didn't bring up that I wanted to get into is straight-A students tend to miss out socially. More time studying the library means less time for lifelong friendships, new clubs, trying things they'd never tried before, etc., etc. And this particular Wharton professor wishes he'd spent less time studying and more time taking advantage of different things that were offered in the college experience. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I do think it's interesting. Uh, what's coming up in your news, Marshall? Well, the Trump Twitter blast against the Mueller filings continue. We got Rand Paul warning of the U.S. deep state, and the world is even more interconnected than we ever thought. Coming up. The deep state. Too that, scary. Too scary, exactly, for a Monday morning. Joe's about to go under the knife. Can we do stuff that's a little softer and quieter and more comforting? You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show.
up on the straight A thing that's getting a lot of attention. The idea that being a straight A student doesn't, uh, there's no correlation between that and being successful out in the real world. Right. Um, this uh, the, the the writer of this column in the New York Times, who's uh, been observing students and had been a super achiever straight A student himself. Looking back, I don't wish my grades had been higher. If I could do it over again, I'd study less. The hours I wasted memorizing the inner workings of the eye would have been better spent trying out improv comedy one night or having more midnight conversations about the meaning of life, which I find very interesting. Yeah, I think the grades ought to be, uh, you know, a result as opposed to the goal. You know, if you're stimulated, you're smart, you enjoy the work, you do the work, you're responsible, and hey, you get A's, that's great. That's really good. There's nothing wrong with that. But to make the grade the goal, I think, is a mistake. And it's it's such a subtle mistake. You know, sure. people have been and, falling for that trap for years and years. Well, yeah, and it's it's misleading kids if, 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 if they're led to believe that this is going to set them up for a successful life. There's no indication of that. Now, I'm the opposite. I wish I had tried harder in college. I did what they describe in this article, actually. I was a person that if it was something I was interested in, I put a lot of effort into it and usually did really well. If I wasn't interested in it, I didn't put much effort into it, which tends to work in the real world. But I wish I'd have tried harder just from a see what you can your potential is standpoint. (laughs) Yeah, I get that. Um, But also at the end of the article, he says, Employers apparently have caught on. Some recruiters are already on board. As recently as 2006, a study showed that in job postings, nearly 15% of recruiters actively select against students with high GPAs, questioning their priorities and life skills. Wow. Isn't that something? That needs to get out. <laughs> with, more that. Than, with more than 40% yeah. putting no weight whatsoever on grades in initial screening. How interesting. Yeah, it is interesting. So, hey, very quick note that I know we need to get to the news, but, man, the reaction via email, and I'm sure on the text line to Michael Cordoza's uh, chat with you about uh, Trump and Russia and obstruction of justice and Stormy Daniels and all uh, earlier in the hour. Uh, look, those of you who hate him because you didn't like his attitude toward Trump, did you hear what he said? This is a guy who's fairly dismissive of Donald J. Trump, saying, essentially, the uh, the Stormy Daniels stuff is silly. It's going to be extremely difficult to prove, and it's a minor offense. The obstruction of justice stuff, we don't know. There's nothing that's known. The Russia contacts, it's all very innocuous if Trump was kind of assuming he wasn't going to win, which would be easy to assume. So the guy who is dismissive of Trump agrees with you on virtually everything. Listen, listen. That is a good point. So that makes him not a, he's not just standing up for Trump because he's a Trump guy. Right. Same I would as think Alan that would Dershowitz. lend extra weight to y'all. But. Yeah. yeah. Uh, news now with Marsha Phillips. All right. I think it is about time this morning for Positive Sean's One Word Market Report. Sean? Oh, it's down, baby. The markets are down. Oh, man. Yes. No support. No need to be Help. clever. It's just down. You know what I'm wearing to work tomorrow? A barrel with straps. <laughs> ooh, ooh. I know this is very important. Yes. The Dow was below 24,000. It is now above 24,000. Back to you, If Jack. you like round numbers. Hey, uh, Jack, do me a favor. If uh, When I wake up from the anesthesia, the, uh, the cannibalism is already begun. Can you get word to me somehow? <laughs> it wouldn't it be something. If civilization is crumbled, let me know. Meanwhile, President Trump busy pushing back this morning. Trump says that he didn't break any campaign finance rules by paying off women to keep quiet about alleged affairs. His lawyers just have to love him jumping into these yes. things all the time. <laughs> yes. The president taking a Twitter this morning saying Democrats can't find a smoking gun tying the Trump campaign to Russia after James Comey's testimony. No smoking gun, no collusion. That's because there was no collusion. So now the Dems go to a simple private transaction 
wrongly, wrongly calling it a campaign contribution. I feel like they've really moved away from the whole Russia thing. That's not going to be anything. Politically, maybe we can still push that. But that's just not going to be anything. If we're going to get him on anything legal, it's got to be this. And this is pretty thin. I tell you what, the one thing about obstruction of justice, lying to a federal official, that bothers me the most. And and if it's lying, liars, lying, and and attempting to mislead intentionally, that's fine. And and that is a crime, and I understand why it's a crime. But there's an old principle in dictatorships, like your communist dictatorships. Bring me, show me the man, I'll bring you the crime. It's a way to eliminate enemies and dissenters. And... If you spend enough time grilling somebody on enough things, they will make a mistake that you can characterize as a lie. I'm not saying that's Michael Cohen. I'm not saying that's Paul Manafort. I'm just saying that if a corrupt government wants to eliminate people, um, and our friend Ben the Libertarian, I've seen the videotapes, I think they just found him annoying, so found a crime to charge him with. Uh, you can't let that sort of thing get out of hand. And Alan Dershowitz, I saw him on the Fox over the weekend uh, talking about, he distinguishes between crimes or committed after this investigation started because you're putting people in these positions. It, it, it just concerns him, that cr- crimes that are committed after Mueller started his probe versus things that you know had been done and you're investigating. Right, so-called crimes that exist purely because there is a probe. That bothers me a little bit, too. Meanwhile, CIA Chief Gina Haspel is briefing more U.S. senators behind closed doors about the killing of the Saudi journalist Jamal Khashoggi. But Senator Rand Paul, who says he was not invited, tells reporters Haspel should share the findings with all the U.S. lawmakers. Some are saying there is no smoking gun. Well, what's being reported is that there is a smoking gun. There's communication directly from the killers back to the Crown Prince's office. I think the time has come for the Senate to grab back foreign policy. Now, well, Rand, that's that's been his issue for a long time, right. and I get it. But why can't we just leap to the conversation of we know the guy ordered the killing? Do you blow up your relationship with an ally because of it? That's the conversation to have, and we're not having that for some or, reason. Or or are they just posturing to put more and more pressure on the Saudis behind the scenes to get rid of this guy? Maybe. It's a regime change. Turns out more people are online than you might think. New data from the U.N. says almost 4 billion people are now online, meaning that for the first time in history, more than half of the global population is connected. Welcome to depression. Alienation, resentment. Agency predicts by the end of the year, a full 52% of people around the world will be using the World Wide Web. And another interesting... The World Wide Web. Who says that? (laughs) <laughs> the u.n did in their in their report wow. that was wow. their quote okay yeah that fits yeah, exactly. yeah. <laughs> who says the world wide web people in the u.n <laughs> hey, one other finding while uh, fixed line uh, phone subscriptions continue to dwindle worldwide the number of cell phone subscriptions is now greater than the global population wow so a lot of people have more than one uh, number yeah. You gotta get the burner phones, man. What? Because <laughs> kid, kids don't have the phone, so that means there's a lot of adults that have more than one phone. I, I don't, but there you go. That's... There's there's also some crazy tech really out there. People who always have like four different phones that they're juggling tied to one phone number. I've seen oh, a lot I'd, of people do it'd that. Be, it'd be right? handy to have another phone. I just don't want to keep track of it. Hey, uh, Marshall. It. Yes. The, the deep state story you were going to do is that the Rand Paul story? It is. 
Okay, I just for the umpteenth time, the the term "deep state" sounds too much like it's a Tom Cruise movie. Well, Rand, here, let me play the other quote from Rand. It's very short. It's what he said uh, when he's complaining about the uh, CIA non-briefings. The very definition of the deep state is when the intelligence communities withhold information from Congress. There you go. All right. Well, yeah. Okay. Fair enough. That is a particularly exciting brand of it. But the permanent government is the way I like to phrase it, or the or the government class, the people who depend on. Well, they're the permanent government. You can't vote them in. You can't vote right. them out. We have virtually no power over them, and and they they you know uh, have power over our lives. And that's grown to an extent that the founding fathers would find nightmarish, and I do too. So. You know, I like the term deep state, but it, it's too easy to dismiss as, like, conspiracy theory. There you go. That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips, the Armstrong and Getty Show, the conscience of the nation. How about deep crust? You okay with deep crust? I like deep Chicago crust. Chicago-style pizza. <laughs> so, uh, what's what? there's very little danger in getting your hip replaced except for one thing. What is that one thing? As you know. I don't know. Well, infection? Some sort of infection, right. Yeah. And right. what I've got coming up, I don't know. I'm trying to tie these things together. Right? It <laughs> might, be a, might be a pointless exercise. Trying to here. sew them together as exactly. a <laughs> Stitch them up. The germiest places during the holiday season. Oh, I'll I not think be going there. I, be sure to warn me in the next second. <laughs> I, think you'll, I think you'll find this amusing. And maybe informative. I may have saved your life. So, uh, among things we'll get to coming up. I uh, would like to focus on some of the stories on 60 Minutes last night. The Elon Musk interview, of course, was really interesting. But that whole thing about screen time changing young people's brains. Holy crap. Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Do you know today's Green Monday? I just heard that term for the first time. I don't even know what it means. Today's what? Green Monday. Oh, hey, before we get to that, Mike's th- uh, Michael, thanks for the cracker. It's funny, my son just texted me that he'd be thinking of me during the surgery and everything, and he was going to crank Cracker's first album and send good vibes out into the universe. Hmm. So there you go. Way to vibe with my boy, Michael. Is that scientifically proven to help oh, yeah, in surgery absolutely. situations? Oh, yeah. Cracker is uh, indispensable. <laughs> so a Green Monday, you say? Yeah, I don't know what that is. But it's like it fits in with Black Friday and Cyber Monday. and Oh, so it's stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. And I'd have to Google it to find out what it is. And that just sounds Are like a lot of effort. to do so. something for the Earth today? Um, we should talk about where we ended up with Warrior Foundation Freedom Station. Uh, with a big number is where we ended up. Um, thanks to you, and a lot of people were thanking us. All we got to do with an organization like Warrior Foundation Freedom Station is explain what it is, and then mm-hmm. you'll give money. That That's our only role. Green Monday's even dumber than you thought. <laughs> oh, boy. I'll stay, stay tuned, tuned for that. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, obviously, you know, we do our best to describe it and everything, and, and we really care, and if we conveyed that well, good. Um, it's It's more an honor than, you know... Something we ought to be thanked for. You know what I mean? So definitely Humbling. the listeners of this show raised well over $500,000 when we had a goal of $300,000. We got yeah. well over $500,000 by middle of the day on Friday. So uh, that's pretty impressive. And then with a whole bunch of other people pitching in, it got to up over a million, and that's just couldn't be more fantastic. 
you know, it's impossible to know, but there will be multiple lives saved and turned around by that contribution, yeah. which is an amazing thing. You actually did some good. I, so, I, I think about the, the interview with Junior, who was on the brink of not being a functioning member of society. Or and, a living one. Yeah, yeah. And and, and in comes the, the Freedom Foundation, and they, you know, they take on the hard cases. They do amazing stuff. What's Green Monday? Green Monday is an online retail industry term that was coined by eBay to describe their best sales day in December. Full stop. Oh, boy. Okay. Great. <laughs> You're right. It is even dummer than I thought. Well, all right. Okay, so germiest places this time of year. Some of these make sense. Some of these don't. I don't know why eating birthday cake is on the list this time of year. Birthdays tend to spread them out. I think you have roughly one 365th of the birthdays happening today would be my guess. But uh, don't eat birthday cake because when people blow up the candles, they, they spread 37,000 bacteria. Shut up and hand me a slice of cake. <laughs> Nice big I one. I have seen people blow out the candles who had a, uh, an especially wet blow <laughs> that uh, made me think, ah. You know, if they were backlit with like a nice bright light, <laughs> you'd, you'd probably have less of an appetite for it. Yeah, the birthday person that's, <laughs> excuse me, <clears throat> just getting over something. <clears throat> <laughs> Um, I bring this up all the time just because I hate hand dryers and bathrooms are too loud for me, but they're way dirtier than the dryers in, uh, just using hand towels. Way dirty, not even close. An average of more than 18,000 bacteria on hand dryers, and with the hot air, they get blown all around the room and are much more likely to be able to have some effect on you. So there this you is go. sick enough. It's like a, an incubator slash aerosol. It warms it and spreads it. Great. Air dryers increase bacteria populations in bathroom five times over uh, washing and using towels. Five wow. times. So good yeah. idea, whoever came up with that. And those towels have got to be biodegradable and everything, right? Um, Come, on. Don't, Come on, humanity. Everybody's going out to eat a lot. Don't request ice and lemons. I'm always NFL. No blanking fruit. No lime. No lemon. Uh, for obvious reasons. All kinds of bacteria, including what, Joe? Including what? I'm guessing fecal matter. Fecal matter. Yes, right. you knew it. Can be found in the fruit and the ice. At the, Well, just sit at a restaurant sometime and watch the woman, the the... Or man, uh, server going around doing all the stuff, shaking hands, wiping off tables, and walk by and stick their hand in the lemon and put it in the glass and then walk off. Yeah. It's disgusting. It's crap. It's crap. It's crap. It's fecal matter. A lot of people go to movies this time of year, Joe. Yes, they do. Danger there. <laughs> okay. Oh. oh, no. <laughs> Particularly with popcorn. Um, uh, you touch the, you put your hands on the side of the seat. Which has got all kinds of stuff. The most fecal matter of anything they studied is on the uh, the little handles there on the seat at the movie theater. And you stick your hand into the warm, buttery popcorn, increasing its ineffectiveness and killing you. And how many of your friends have died from eating popcorn at a movie theater? No, that's... Honey, honey, cancel my movie-themed birthday party in that rest stop bathroom. <laughs> We're going to have popcorn and oh. show a movie on the wall and have cake. Damn it. That's why everybody should adapt my feedback approach when eating popcorn where you just strap it to your face. No hands needed. <laughs> Beautiful. They got some funny information here on double dipping at Christmas parties where you see somebody, you know, take a bite of the chip, stick it back in the dip. It says here it's as if they licked or blew their nose on the dip. You would no, have the not. same effect. No, it's not. That's a crock of crap. Okay. <laughs> 
A microscopic amount of saliva is the same as blowing their nose in it? Any doctors like to weigh in on that? The tidbit of non-information? <laughs> what a crock. I'm sorry, I'm a little sensitive about bacteria. I've got to go have my antibacterial bath. And finally, this one, and I was going to say with this one, it's too bad Joe's not here because he would stand up for the other side, but you are here. <laughs> Um, sharing food is a terrible idea at restaurants. I hate it just because of this. If you wanted to eat that, you should order it. And this is what I ordered because this is what I wanted. Get away from my food. Uh, do you want to you trade? Do you no, wanna, I no, don't. I don't want what you had. And you're not eating what I have. <laughs> but sharing food is terrible. It's as if you, again, licked their food or sneezed on it. When you uh, when you share food with people again, idiotic and denying the capacity for human cooperation, Jack. In my world, I get more. I get some of that and some of that variety. Yeah, fantastic. Stay away from my food. I'll actually <laughs> stab you with a fork. Snarling dog of a human being. You don't have my spit in your food, but you have blood because you got a bleeding hand because I stabbed you with a fork. <laughs> That's what happens there. Uh, if you get the award-winning fourth hour, we're going to talk to Andrew Egger, who we kind of like with the Weekly Standard. Why did I say kind of like? We really like. If we didn't really like him, we wouldn't have him on. We're going to talk about a different angle of some of the stuff that came out on Friday that people are breathlessly reporting. We're very excited. Well, tell the Eggman I say hello. I've got to go uh, seriously do this like special antibacterial shower thingy to get ready for surgery. Then stick, uh, every- your, uh, stick your hip in a hand dryer. Exactly. Uh, everybody who's passed along well wishes, thanks, I appreciate it, it's very kind to you, I'm sure it'll be fine, I'll check back as soon as possible. When will you will you tweet, or when will we first hear that you've got a new hip and you're, you're up and around? I'll hit you with a text this afternoon. Okay, fantastic. There you go. Godspeed. Cool. Thank you. Um, Joe getting a brand new hip, which is, you know, you hear about it all the time, you, you, you tend to overlook the fact that that's amazing that that can happen. It's amazing that that's even possible.